0: Do You think I took money? It wasn't me that took money. Getzo did. I saw him. He took it out of the cash drawer. Before you got here this morning, I saw him. I did! I was gonna tell Bertie. She
1: should know because she counted it. How much was gone, Bertie? How much did he take, Bertie? I saw him, so so count it, count it,
0: count it. Here.
1: Talk to her, do something.
0: Count it. Count it, Bertie. I saw Getzo, he took it right from the drawer. Martha, shut up. up. Don't you even care? That's why money's missing all the time. I saw him take it, count it. He took two bills out just like this, and then he put it down his pants like that.
1: Call Getzo up here. Get him up here now.
0: Good, then. You won't take advantage of her. It won't make her sad. He hurts her feelings. Tell her. Tell her to her face. That's why you take two tens out of the drawer.
1: Welcome to Ramblin', an Amblin' podcast. The podcast where we navigate the movies of Amblin' entertainment, even if they prove near, near enough impossible to find. <laughs> I am one half of your host, Andy Godian. And I'm the other
0: half, Joshua Glenn. And uh, we're back. <laughs> you sound defeated already. <laughs> you sound like this film is broken. <laughs> We've been away for a while. Been away for a while. So we are maybe a little rusty. We've got to snap back into our old roles. uh, With a corker. With a a corker. Part of it is because I was away on vacation for a while. Part of it is because, as happens, as happened quite a bit this year, life gets busy, work gets busy and stuff. Um, Perhaps most pertinently, this film is impossible to find. (laughs) Very... Very difficult to track this one down.
1: Indeed. As we mentioned in our last episode on We're Back, A Dinosaur's Story, this is a film that has had a very limited release and only got a VHS release in the UK. Yeah. uh, So um, eventually we managed to find it deep in the caverns of the wine valley california <laughs> hidden in a tupperware
0: <laughs> good lord
1: that's a, you've seen this movie that's, that's, you're probably laughing your head off right now Like, uh, oh what a good a reference joke. to a film that no one is going
0: to see because we almost gave up trying to find it and we've got to do an episode about it so yeah. people that are like, going to listen to this we did have a discussion where it was like do we just put out an
1: episode where we just like talk about it and be like yeah, yeah we didn't see talk it, around it <laughs>
0: but we did and boy, <laughs> boy howdy, it was so weird because we just, we, we just watched it in the other room in my flat and we, we I, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but we've had to really hold off and save it for the mic. Just being like quietly skulking around each <laughs> other, setting up. <laughs> Hinting at our opinions, never quite explicitly getting into it.
1: So um, it's hard to kick off in the normal way, mm. um, but we're going to kick off. As we do tend to. I've just remembered (laughs) that we do a synopsis first. Uh, Before we talk about prior connections. Um,
0: I hope you had fun writing this one. (laughs) Well, I had fun reading the Wikipedia synopsis because it's very, very bizarrely written. (laughs) Written by the one person who remembers this film exists. The one person with the one VHS copy. It does kind of feel like it's one of those things that's kind of fallen out of circulation, not through any active attempts to quash it, but because everyone involved just forgot that really it existed. Indeed. Uh,
1: have we said the name of the film yet? Oh, A Dangerous Woman. A <laughs> 1993's A Dangerous, Dangerous Woman. Woman. Directed by one Stephen Gyllenhaal. Papa to Maggie and Jake. Or Jacob, as he is credited as in this he went, movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, take out the cub.
0: It's take cleaner. out cub.
1: <laughs> Just Jake. Um, so, Joshua Glenn, for all our listeners who probably also likewise have
0: been... Unable to find
1: a dangerous woman. <laughs> Please
0: let them in on what it's all about. Now, I would recommend reading the Wikipedia synopsis because it is it is unhinged. Uh, we should caveat at the very start as well that this film deals with a protagonist who is neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And the language that the Wikipedia article uses, uh, I don't think is very tactful. It's about as tactful... I don't think the film's very tactful. As the, the film's... Hyper, hyper, hyper. <laughs> so we, I will use the term neurodivergent because I believe that is... The, the accepted yeah. parts these days. Um, so we'll try and speak around this as respectfully as, as we can in a film that deals with it so cavalierly, if, if that is such a word. Anyway, knees, man. <laughs> we first meet Martha, our neurodivergent protagonist, played by Deborah Winger, when she's trying to break up a fight between her Aunt Frances, played by Barbara Hershey, and the drunk, gun toting wife of the politician she's sleeping with, played by Laurie Metcalf and John Terry, respectively. Uh, When Francis tries to find a handyman to fix the porch that was destroyed when (laughs) the drunk, gun-toting wife drove her car into it, Martha goes into town for her her shift at the local dry cleaners. She works for her friend Birdie. Is that right? Birdie? I've always, like... What is it? <laughs> no, so, you're right. What that's what it said. It said Birdie. I'm going to cross-reference with he, IMDb quickly. I'm just <laughs> trying to... I can't hear Deborah Winger saying Birdie in my <laughs> no, head. No,
1: she said... I thought she was saying Bertie.
0: Bertie. Oh, Birdie. Bert- I'll the Americans. Bro, 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 bro. They say T's as D's, Brody. don't they? So
1: it's Birdie, yeah. IMDb also confirms it's Birdie. Birdie. Okay. Um,
0: she on. works for a friend Birdie, played by Chloe Webb who is going out with Petty Crook and General Dirtbag Getso, played by David Strathan? Straithan? I can't pronounce <laughs> this correctly, at the best of times. Martha notices Getso stealing from the cash register when, she, when he thinks nobody is looking. But before she can report him to the manager, played by Richard Ryle, who is one of those guys that you see in things and go, Hey, it's that guy! Is that guy! Looks is a bit like a big lady. otter.
1: Looks a bit like an otter. A big
0: otter. A big yeah. happy otter. I get that. (laughs) Getzo fully stitches her up and gets her sacked. Getzo gets her sacked. Dejected and fed up, Martha is making her way home when she happens to encounter charming rogue Mackie, played by a very handsome Gabrielle Byrne, who turns out to be the very handyman whom Francis is looking for. As Mackie continues working on Francis's porch, which needs to be fixed in time for a birthday gala she's throwing for her politician lover, Martha starts to develop more and more of an attraction to him. Francis, uh, sorry, Mackie. That is not a politician lover. He's barely in it. <laughs> Mackie is initially reluctant to take advantage of her, but when he visits her room drunk, the two and the two get more and more intimate. They wind up having some very rubbish-looking sex. Rubbish-looking insofar as satisfaction for either of them, really. Yeah, not that it's just a bit, particularly just a bit scruffy on that sofa, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and so the melodrama kind of spins. Martha becomes increasingly infatuated, Mackie becomes more cowardly, Birdie becomes more evasive, Getso becomes more taunting, and Francis gets drunk to the point that she also winds up having sex with Mackie. Ba-ba-ba! Is this the very thing that will push Martha over the edge and turn her into a dangerous woman?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, as we said, film never heard of before. Mm. Um, I not even. I think it's probably even the first Stephen Gyllenhaal film I've seen. So I haven't even got much of a connection there beyond that f- fact. But the, the closest connection I think I can kind of make to it is like when you see that, hear that title mm. and hear the kind of ingredients there. Mm. It feels like on the surface, at the very least, it's a kind of like 90s potboiler thriller of kind of questionable sexual politics. Yeah. That uh, were
0: a bit of a dime a dozen, particularly in the early mm. 90s. It's that sort of sub postman always rings twice kind of yeah. southern noir thing, but it kind of, but it's a bit a bit tamer. Than yeah, that. it's like it's a coy TV movie feeling version. Yeah, of that. it never quite goes full tilt like John M. Kane kind of thing. It's very,
1: and we'll get into the kind of manner in which it kind of mm. navigates both that kind of at least surface level um, look of it as a thriller and then also it's more of a character focused drama. But um <laughs> because this is also a film that like no one has written about, the production details were a little sparse on the ground as well. I try to find like <laughs> Just... tabloids from the time. I found a lot of reviews from the time, but like beyond that I couldn't find any kind of production yeah um, detail beyond very minuscule little bits and pieces of trivia
0: imdb trivia was yeah. that loaded with uh, no, like four bits of bits. trivia
1: <laughs> but i've done I've, I've done something of a job to kind of craft a bit of a a road to a dangerous woman narrative if you will yeah um so I, i'll guide you through this now hopefully you'll find it enlightening
0: <laughs> well, we'll see i speak on behalf of the listeners when i say we'll see we'll see <laughs> i'm not promising anything <laughs> listeners Using the term listeners feels quite optimistic for an <laughs> episode on a dangerous woman. Um, so this
1: is a film that is based on a book, hmm. not a book I've read, no. nor have heard of, uh, by Mary, Mac- 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 Mary McGarry Morris, who is a celebrated author and playwright who has been compared to the likes of John Steinbeck and William Faulkner when it comes to her character-driven storytelling. Oh! Huh. The novel itself, published in 1991, was named by Time as one of its five best novels of the year and as one of the best books of the year by the American Library Association. And they would know. Uh, Morris also won the Barnes and Nobel Discover Great... The Barnes and Nob- Nobel Discover Great New Writers Award. That's, they need to work That's on that name. <laughs> Barnes and Noble
0: a department store. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I guess it's no weirder than Costa having a book award. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like Barnes & Noble Discover Great New
1: Writers Award. They need to work on that That's title. clumsy, yeah. that's is the Barnes & Noble New
0: Writer Award. Best New Writer Award, sure. They need to put that active uh, verb in there, the discover. <laughs> you discover Great New Writer Award. They don't award. passively stumble upon, they discover, they seek them out. Mm-hmm.
1: So, as it sounds, it sounds like in the early 90s that this book was very well received, mm. and particularly... Um, by people, I imagine, like you say, the kind of Costa Book Club group. Mm. I can imagine that a, a girl on the train sort of vibe.
0: I can see it working more as a book, yeah, than a film.
1: Um, so, as with any kind of popular book, film adaptations quickly discussed, and it is producer Naomi Fo- Foner, who at the time was Mary- Naomi Foner Gyllenhaal, um, what came on to write the screenplay and served as the head producer on the on the project with the film being a co-production between Gramercy Pictures and Amberlin Entertainment, with Kathleen Kennedy on board as one of the executive producers. Foner had received an Oscar nomination previously for her work on the screenplay for Sidley Lumet's 1988 film Running on Empty, and has gone on to continue to produce a number of screenplays. And as she had been married to filmmaker Stephen Gyllenhaal since 1977, and A Dangerous Woman marked the first time that they collaborated professionally with Stephen coming on to direct. Prior to this, Stephen had largely cut his teeth directing television and made-for-TV movies. You, you know. don't say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I directed episodes for such shows as The Insiders and Twin Peaks. He directed episode 20 of uh, se- season 2, which is not an episode I could remember incredible amount of That's details that, from. Um...
0: It feels like when it's getting to the yeah when it starts to shit. <laughs> come, come back out of the tailspin. Windermere stuff going on. <laughs> uh, Bobby and Sheila, Bobby and Shelley reaffirm their love. Cooper calls Shelley, Donna and Audrey together to warn them about Earl. Briggs shows Cooper a tape of Windermere making a report on his quest for the Black Lodge.
1: See, I don't really remember the incident of that episode. I remember the episode. tape that Briggs shows Cooper.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like we're quite at the point yet when it when it stops being a bit shit. There you are, directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal. <laughs>
1: and um, so directed that episode of Twin Peaks and also the miniseries Family of Spies and the TV movie Paris Trout, both of which were nominated for multiple Emmys. <laughs> uh, his first big screen feature was a Jeremy Hines movie, uh, a British movie, uh, by the name of Waterland in 1992. A Film again, I've
0: never Waterland. Heard
1: Waterland. What year was Waterworld?
0: Ooh, 95? That's that's like it's like how um, Disney, the Disney Park in Paris is called Disneyland, or it's mm. Disney World mm. in Florida. <laughs> Interesting. Is it this is just it sounds like a very like, European... milky cup of tea British
1: drama. <laughs> European <laughs> domination of, a, of Waterworld. Um, so that was his first big screen feature. Um, so that's where he's up to when a dangerous mm-hmm. woman comes around that uh, his wife has worked on the screenplay for. I wonder what those discussions were around. Maybe hmm. it was just around the dinner table. Like, what are you working on at the minute, love? <laughs> <laughs> it sounded
0: a little, little bit irate. Like <laughs> you, like, uh, you sounded like Mackie.
1: <laughs> so, yes, they both came on board with this. And this is also the film um, which marks the only time that the whole Gillen Hall family um, collaborated together Ooh. with Father Stephen directing, Mother Naomi writing and children Jake and Maggie starring in it. But very briefly, boy, okay. can you miss it, because we literally missed <laughs> Jane <Chilenos>. We <Will> <laughs> Jake, <and laughs> um, He also brought along cinematographer Robert Ellswit with him, um, who he had worked with on Paris, Trout, and Waterland. Uh, Elswit, um is a name that some of you may be familiar with, as he would, of course, go on to collaborate with Paul Thomas Anderson on six of his films, uh, winning an Oscar for There Will Be Blood. Um, As well, he's worked worked on quite a number of uh, movies, like big popular Hollywood movies Mm -hmm. to this this day. Uh, I think the last Anderson film he did was Inherent Vice, but a decent cinematographer. For the lead role, Foner and Hall cast Deborah Winger as Martha. A role which was considered something of a change for the acclaimed actress at this time in Mm. her career. Winger. Uh, after starring as Wonder Woman's sister Wonder Girl in a few episodes of the Linda Carter TV show back in the 1970s made her feature debut in 1978's Thank God It's Friday at the age of 23 followed by her role in Urban Cowboy in 1980 with John Travolta for which she received a BAFTA nomination and a pair of gold, uh, and a pair of Golden Globe nominations for both best performance by an actress and best new star because that used to be an award that the Golden Globes used to have. Huh. <laughs> I was fortunate won it one year. For <laughs> so, uh, what, The Terminator? Stay Hungry. Oh, shit, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, in 1982, she co-starred with Nick Nolting in ca- Cannery Row, as well as cameoed as a Halloween zombie and nurse with Poodle in <laughs> E.T., which I didn't appreciate. Did <laughs> <a problem. laughs> and continued her rise to stardom by starring with Richard Gere in An Officer and a Gentleman, for which she was nominated for... Best Actress at the Academy Awards. I
0: don't think I've ever seen that, but do, 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 do. there's the Simpsons riff on it. I'm going to the back seat of my car <laughs> with the woman I love and won't be back for ten minutes.
1: <laughs> my mum is a big Richard gear fan. So my
0: mum is so a big one. Richard gear fan too, yeah.
1: So I'm not sure Women of a certain age <laughs> for sure. I, I, find,
0: I, I don't get Richard Gere. He's in that Kevin Costner zone mm. of... Kind of, kind of dad heart, but also you feel like he'd give you a stern talking to as opposed mm-hmm. to a maybe it was seduction. American
1: Jiggler, a kind of film I've not seen. And do re- yeah, really did
0: it. See, uh, uh, is see his in that, I
1: think. I think so. <laughs> I really want to. On the
0: list of Willies, I want to see, he's <laughs> not high.
1: Um, but following that, um, after an officer and a gentleman, she was nominated for a, the Academy Awards twice more for Turns of Endearment in 1983, the year after, which she was awarded to her co-star, Shirley MacLaine, um, and for Shadowlands in the same year of uh, A Dangerous Woman in 1993, uh, for which she also received a BAFTA nomination. And also around this time, to add to her, her many nominations, her performance in The Dangerous Woman was, in fact, also nominated for Best Actress at the Golden Globes, and she won Best Actress for this film at the Tokyo International Film Festival i swear in the cut, sorry. No, I was going to say, I know the Golden
0: Globe is a bit of a joke, but you'd think... Back a, in the 80s or early 90s, it was probably b- a bit more. For a film to have been nominated for a Golden Globe yeah. and then just vanish. They just vanish. I've never known That's crazy. I'd love to
1: dig would it. I really wish there was more into, out there yeah. on this to find out why exactly Ooh. it's just been... Because I know, I think cut Wager, could, like, she takes a break for, in her career about a few years after this and then eventually comes back starts coming back more into the fold because she got a bit of your reputation for being difficult to work with how much of that is actually she was difficult to like, work with or just misogynistic the Sean Young behavior thing behaviour in the mm. 80s and 90s it's
0: well, as, as, as a slight aside kind kind of context for what you just said have you yeah. listened to the recent series of You Must Remember This no I haven't with Korean Long she's doing erotic 80s ah. and talking about a lot of uh, female movie stars in the 80s and yeah. their treatment and she did one about Sean Young I forget the film that it was in relation to, but yeah, the, the sort of the treatment of Sean Young sounds quite similar to mm. treatment of Deborah get around the same time.
1: Yeah. But good listening. I think she listen. got a lot of that reputation from an officer and a gentleman because of Richard Gere complaining. And from what I've heard from other stories, that Richard Gere is also not a particularly easy person to work with a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Has that? Sorry, Richard, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you are, Come please, for me.
0: First in touch with someone who knows what happened to this film, when written, <laughs> if you ask
1: me. um, elsewhere in the cast, um, you have Barbara Hershey as a, her aunt, which I've never, I just still don't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she had perf- previously worked with Stephen Gyllenhaal on Paris Trout and was cast in, in the role of Frances Martha's aunt. Um, after Glenn Coase originally was circling the role but dropped out, uh, further. To, towards uh cameras rolling. Uh Jeff Bridges and Jason Patrick were both considered for the male lead.
0: She's boxcar Bertha.
1: Barbara Hershey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She she did a lot. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It's going, sorry. <laughs> uh Jeff Bridges and Jason Patrick were both considered for the male lead. Uh but Gabriel Brown was eventually cast, having previously you already had like what, Miller's Crossing was nineteen ninety, mm-hmm. so that's under. Yeah. about uh, cool World as well. Early in the nineties,
0: have you ever seen Cool no, World? That's on my list. Weird movie. We can do our own Roger uh, <laughs> it, but make it naughty. <laughs> make it, yeah, make it even sleazier.
1: <laughs> um, couldn't get anything on how the shooting went. I'm assuming it was fine. Yeah, there's literally two locations in this film: the house and the main street of like. The, this small town that they're yeah. in, which looks, it looks like kind of California suburbs yeah. somewhere. Um, actually, I think that might have been one of the only IMDb, um, trivia, IMDb trivia notes is where it was shot. <laughs> <And> I, I, <laughs> here we go. Include sequences films in the town of Peru um, and Santa pa- Paula, uh, the location of the dry clear where Martha's works, though, is also in Ventura County, California.
0: So ah. very much. It looks sounds. nice. It's nice, a yeah, uh, so nice, know, Small
1: rolling, pleasant, nice. Yeah. yeah, but all around that that house looks quite nice. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to live there. Lots of no, just for a walk on a weekend, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> the film had its premiere at the Toronto Film Festival in September of 1993, um, before going on to open t- in a limited run in the US fr- from November 30th, 1993. Earning $680,000 on its opening weekend um, before going on to gross $1.49 million worldwide. Um, It wasn't released in the UK until May of 1994, pretty standard practice for back then. But uh, from that point on, the film has only ever been released on, has never been released on Region 1 DVD actually, has only had a VHS release in all territories
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: wow. Um, critics at the time were fairly mixed um, lots of people were quite warm towards particularly Deborah Winger's performance With Janet Maslin New York Times saying a Dangerous Woman is a soap opera with Miss Winger's eerily convincing performance at its centerpiece the film creates a world of sexual chicanery and that would do any television series proud. <laughs> Backhanded compliment, yeah. if ever there was one. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tom McCarthy at Variety said, "An unusual entry from Amblin Entertainment. <laughs> Pick will register deeply with some viewers, especially women. But it's the kind of odd and muted tale for which it is difficult to drum up theatrical interest in these days." did it ever occur to you that what she needs is maybe a little uh, kindness did it ever occur to you you don't know what you're talking about occurs to me just about all the time so that is the road to a dangerous woman entering <laughs> the multiplexes in 90 90- how a handful of multiplexes in the u.s in 1993 and i would love to know how many theaters it got running over here because it just it did nothing it made $1.4 $1. $1. million dollars mad. worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> and there's
0: no budget, I got there's there's no nothing on this movie game. at all, is this? It's so just, it's, it's just vanished. Budget. Yeah. So
1: it's insane. I think I where I want to start mm. is like, listeners, if you don't know, this is Ramblin', an Amblin' podcast where we're talking about the films of Amblin' Entertainment and where the kind of trajectory that this production company takes over its history. And, uh, Last couple of episodes have been family friendly fair. They've been dinosaur movies. Mm. We've had quite we've been in quite a good realm of like nineties blockbusters. They've all been quite like populist that even if they don't always succeed, they've been quite you know, they're they're made for big wide audiences. Yeah. This feels so weirdly niche as a project to pick, particularly at this point in their career and in their timeline.
0: Really? Really incongruous,
1: and even to the point where, like, in the opening credits, it has like um, it lists a number of production companies behind it, Roller Coaster Productions, yes, uh, uh, behind <laughs> that's one of them, Gramercy, but it doesn't list at the Amblin Entertainment as one of the Amblin Entertainment production to the point where I had to quickly look on the end credits to at least see if the logo comes up at the end because then I was like, if it doesn't come up at the end, then I'm I'm going to write it off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the logo did come up at the end. It so, does, yeah. And it yeah. is on the Wikipedia page. But it's an odd, it's an
0: odd duck. It's an odd duck. We've <laughs> so, had odd ducks before. And we often joke it made me about... It think of dad. Dad was like, <laughs> what I was going to get to. Similar kind of TV-level soapy melodrama. Mm. But, so
1: I guess that's where it kind of... You can see some of the deal. Again, based on a book that yeah. was, had done well on certain bestsellers' um, lists. And,
0: Performing a particular mental uh, condition as well as as Lemon did in that film.
1: So let's start with the broader (laughs) force of the film. (laughs) I personally found it quite placid for a while, Mm. and then we'll go into more detail. And then there's a lot, the melodrama really comes in literally what I think it's the last like 20. 15 20 minutes of this film <laughs> there's
0: a stretch when um <laughs> you remember the sketch in i think you should leave where they put a whoopee cushion on his chair in the in the meeting room and he sits yeah. down and he goes, what's the joke that i did a less stinky fart than usual is that the joke and he goes through all these scenarios trying to figure out what the intended joke was there were so many points in this film where i was thinking so is that the dangerous woman yeah at uh, what point is she the dangerous woman? Is that the dangerous woman?
1: woman? That's literally one of my first notes. Is
0: who is the dangerous <laughs> is the woman? Dangerous, <laughs> yeah. but at the start, the the wife yeah. of the politician turns up. Is she the or dangerous woman? Crack, right? Oh, uh, Francis had sex with Mackie and Debbie heard. Does that make her the dangerous woman? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's obsessed with him when he loses interest with her. That must make her the dangerous woman. No, I, none of those I, things. Even as
1: a title, it's one. Personally, I think incredibly insulting <laughs> <laughs> to, to this poor character yeah who, who for the most part i think this film's quite sympathetic towards her And deborah winger's performance is in that weird key mm. of like it's someone who's clearly observed a lot of this kind of behavior in um yeah people that do suffer from learning disabilities or their ne- like oh, i think you were it. i was gonna say like what it's just, it's, it's, it's it's very the, vague the vaguest it's um, even even like the opening um voiceover i think like there's an opening voiceover and a closing voiceover from Francis. And I think it feels a little bit like a studio note going like, we don't quite know what the relationships are going here. We need to kind of clarify certain points. Um, And she talks about how um, she went around lots of doctors or something and trying to get a name attached to it. And no one ended up, everyone just dropped it. And then she was like, and then she was left with me. So then, yeah. it is a cop out. Is, he, I don't know if that speaks to kind of like the the field at the time. I don't know. It's yeah. well, <laughs> very much.
0: I don't, I don't know if in say Rain Man is mm. Dustin Hoffman's condition severe, named.
1: Sevi- they, I think they just say severe autism. Severe right? autism. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's a good it's point. Obviously, it's it a spectrum, made, and the, neuro, yeah. the neurodiverse scale is is a it's a broad church. But I, I, it annoys me when you base a film on some. A mental condition.
1: And then call it a dangerous woman.
0: That's, yeah, but even before you get to that point, if you're going to use that as the crutch for your drama, have the balls or have the, have the wherewithal and the, the, the substance to do something with it and pay mm-hmm. its due respect. And first of all, name it. Yeah. Otherwise, you just contribute into this vague stigma. Yeah. Uh, the, and then, like you say, you bring in the fact that it's called "Dangerous Woman." Mm-hmm. jeez I didn't. Cause I I knew nothing about. It. I, I hadn't looked at the synopsis. I knew nothing about the film going in today, <laughs> two hours ago. <laughs> so there was a point when I, said, I turned to you and said, "Oh, is the implication here that she has?" Because I think this is before the voiceover started yeah. out more. The implication here that she's she's has some kind of condition, and, uh, and yeah, the film. It's odd because it like
1: because it does for a time just seem to be running along on this line of being a drama about Mm. how people around her in her life either exploit her or or mock her and how that's kind of, yeah, you are, you're not, you're, the film is always constantly on her side. It's just the person that's can't quite communicate exactly what it is that she wants to and is viewed in a certain way so that she's never really taken seriously. Yeah. All she wants to do is kind of have her degree of independence that people think that she doesn't she isn't capable of having yeah. despite the uh, despite the fact that they've never really let her try yeah yeah but yeah, then yeah, the yeah. film itself completely undermines that when it gets to the really melodramatic yeah, finale absolutely. when it's like when she does start getting that degree of independence it's like she becomes oh, no, no. the dangerous woman and it's, it's like what the fuck is <laughs> there's a line where Francis says to her you get
0: obsessed with people and oh, you know what this is making me realize I think I hate this movie. <laughs> There's a lot when Frances points out she says to, to Martha, you get obsessed with people and you know, it scares them. And she says you've got to stop before something terrible happens, which is obviously foreshadowing what does happen. We'll get there eventually, listeners, because we know you haven't seen the film. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's really it it, it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. But I think the nugget of the idea it's, I I, I suppose that the nearest, based on anecdotal evidence and stuff, is sort of like quasi-autism, I suppose. Mm. Um, Because she,
1: yes, because there's some quite nice parts where she's like, particularly in the opening, where mm -hmm. she's been Mm -hmm. invited to a co-worker's party, a Tupperware party, Mm -hmm. Um, and she's really excited about it, and she's like reading magazines to like learn how to, just just to get a few pointers on how to... Act in certain social situations like yeah. keep eye contact, don't like laugh, but don't laugh too much, yeah. that sort of thing. And she's clearly very excited and what have you to yeah. be invited and be included. And a lot of this film is just like people being really shitty, yeah, yeah, just being real, and real, like, real like shitbags
0: and acting as if you know she's, she's a weight on, she's like an albatross around their necks. Mm. But the nugget of the idea is like, what if somebody with autism has romantic feelings what do they do with those feelings how do they exercise those and the object of those feelings how do they return them what do they do with the feelings that are being that's really interesting yeah that'd be a good movie if the the bit of this film just before the midsection i guess where it is exploring that yeah i think is it at its best because for a minute it looks like it's going to go to an interesting place because the performances you know she's good i think she's good despite what she's given
1: yeah, I think she's good. She's, I, think, I think she's clearly done a lot of yeah, observation sure. as well.
0: And there are like the Tupperware scene, the, part, the Tupperware party scene, she's great in that. Mm. And she's really, really good. There's so much going on in her face. And Gabriel Byrne is, is really good, I think, as well. He is he's, really good. He's, he bounces a lot. And there's this, a sweet spot when it explores that very idea of, mm. of, of romantic yearnings that you maybe don't know... Or you don't know what they are if you don't know how yeah. to deal with them. Uh, that's That's when the film looks to be interesting. And I thought, okay... Okay, uh, maybe uh, this is one I can champion. Mm-hmm. But then you realize what the title is, and you, you realize, oh, this is laying down tracks to eventually shit on her more. Like yeah. it, ne- it never, it never, I don't, it never quite betrays her. Like, say, Fatal Attraction betrays Glenn Close, but it, it certainly is the scene. So, should we just talk about what actually happens that makes <laughs> that makes her the dangerous woman? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. what's his
1: name again? The
0: shitbag, Get so Yeah. So he's
1: the partner of her best friend who works at the dry cleaners. Mm. She gets fired from the dry cleaners because she's accused of stealing money when it's him that's stealing money. Yeah. And when she tries to say, no, I saw him do it, the her employer just chooses to believe him when he says she he saw her do it. Yeah. So she's just completely undermined there, gets fired. And then she sees him... Then cheating on her on her best friend with someone else who also works at the dry cleaners.
0: Yes, yeah. Martha. Uh, so the name that's very It's not a it
1: Um, and then she, when she goes over to Birdie's house to kind of confront, to tell her
0: once and for all about what it is. Well, at, at this point, this is after Francis has slept with Mackie. This is after Francis and has slept with Mackie. I don't. I don't know. Does Does Martha know that? Is she? aware She that was that sat happened? at the top of the stairs. Yeah. So she, and she then tries to go and seduce Mackie herself. And Mackie is like, no, 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 I no. no, okay, 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 fine. No, 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 get out of here. So he kind of pushes her away. And she's got that rattling around yeah. in her head as she goes to talk to her friend, Birdie. And then
1: Birdie's not there. Get so is. they get in it. He's like, what, why, he's, why are you doing this? Just yeah. no one wants you around here. Stop it. And he gets a bit... Taunting her. And yeah. Pushing her. And, and then her... In that moment, she grabs she's got her hands there in the kitchen she puts her hands behind her he comes towards her she grabs a knife and stabs him multiple times times yeah and then is then sent to jail and then it's also revealed that she's pregnant with max's yeah. baby and so then has to yeah and then has to deal with being told to tell one thing another thing with martha's um Martha's character that she doesn't she can't tell lies. She's incapable of lying. She doesn't like
0: lying, like Jim Carrey in the film. lie, yeah. lie. <laughs> but that's not a choice. That's because uh, his son makes a birthday wish.
1: Yeah, and then, and then she ends up in a care facility rather than going to jail, where she's allowed visitation. And she, it, the film, it's like the film try seems to understand how kind of mean and. Kind of hard that the film is on her. Yeah, it tries
0: to give her a semblance of a happy ending. It is the, the way this film bizarre. tries to wrestle its pieces into a happy ending is insane. Yeah, that's probably insensitive. It, it, it it's baffling what it tries to do.
1: Mm-hmm. I was trying to find out how the book ends, and um, I can't find it. Like I was never going to read it. I'm afraid mm. I don't think. It, I think it probably would have been harder to find in the film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, So this just says she gets quite self-destructive and falls through the safety net. Her impaired condition requires the community confronts its own culpability in failing to provide emotional support.
0: That's responsible. That's good. That's the ending. Yeah.
1: uh, At least that's the broad strokes of the ending of the book. The film doesn't really seem to approach that whatsoever. It seems to... It tries to give a kind of more of a hopeful ending, I guess, without anyone really stepping Mm. up for the culpability um but let's kind of talk a bit more about where the film does work and Mm. i think like you were saying it's in this middle section between in this relationship between Mm. martha and mac both people who kind of struggle to find their place in like the the wider world as it were martha for her her condition and mac more for his own self-destructive tendencies He's a he's a drunk. He just goes, seemingly seems to just roam from town to town yes, picking yeah, up up jobs yeah, yeah. and making money that way. And a lot of, um, and I, I guess you, you get the sense that he starts opening up to Martha. It seemingly s- seems to come from a place of an outsider looking in and realizing mm. how this community doesn't really talk to her in a way that's partic- that yeah. nice. And he often comes to her aid and is like, people shouldn't be talking to you like this. And even tells Francis as much as... Yeah. Just like, you did you ever think you'd just, just be a bit kinder to her? Um But then he also ends up using her as his own emotional crutch, yeah. as it were, with numerous visitations mm. in to her, because she, she lives in a little guest house from Francis's house.
0: Where well, her porch is intact. Well, she doesn't yeah, have yeah. a porch. <laughs> There's no porch for Laurie McHalf to drive into.
1: And he, he's there... Repairing said porch, um, and he often goes into Martha's guest house when he's had one or two, three or demon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely off his rocker, yeah, and he kind of bears himself quite openly to, to her. There's quite a nice scene where he's like gets her to play priest, mm, and yeah, does yeah, like yeah. a fake confessional, yeah, and um, it's in that that you kind of see how where Burns strength as a is coming in because totally. he, yeah. he he is a very convincing actor in this movie um as he often is he has a kind of like yeah, nice raw energy to him where yeah. he's very handsome but he's also you get the sense that he's kind of a bit of a fuck up <laughs> there's quite a good line that he says um about the his kind of the way that he goes about his life. It's like I'm a professional asshole. I gotta yeah. find a
0: new line of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but those scenes, those nighttime, there's there's two such scenes. Those nighttime visitations. I think is it the, the first one where they they just talk and they just sort of hang out, and it's the second one where they probably they like, get down to it. Yeah, for some rubbish sex. And there is they're really good. Those scenes. There's a, there's a weird. There's a slight air of malevolence to them because mm. he is.
1: He feels quite dangerous. He feels quite dangerous, yeah. and
0: you, you do feel protective man. because Deborah Winger is so in in the pocket, just so in it in this performance. Yeah, you do feel quite protective towards her. Yeah, and in these scenes, you know what she's going through, and you know that she is trying to find a way to make herself open to this guy emotionally, mm-hmm. and she's trying to like realize what that is to her, and you fear that this guy will. You would know, put me mind though actually. I rewatched um, Fish Tank recently for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time. Great. Great movie, Lewis. I love it so much. But it reminded me a bit of the scenes with Michael Fassbender and Katie Jarvis. You know, because obviously in that film, there's the power imbalance that comes from the age gap. She's yeah. like 15 in the film. He's a guy in his 30s. And there is a slight, like, they're both very charming actors and there's a, there's a charming relationship in that film. But there is something innately disturbing, as there should be, because mm-hmm. she wasn't the And the scenes in this film reminded me a bit of that. Not yeah. anywhere near as good, but, you know, because yeah, whilst he has that veneer of kind of
1: yeah that surface of like yes, he's actually being a bit more commu- talking to her like on the level, he's mm. still exploiting her to for his own kind of for, for very selfish yeah, reasons. so yeah, um, seemingly to kind of like it's weird because like I think he particularly finds her purity as it were. Yeah, As he a bit, even says he, that, it? it's a bit of a kink for him, which yeah. it feels a bit like. like Yeah, first that first meeting in the house—that's the confessional. Yeah, that's pre-makeover,
0: right? (laughs) Um, I think so. No, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It is because it's after that. There's a scene of her masturbating. Yes, that's right. Which, as you pointed out, is the first time we've seen uh, a shot of female masturbation in an Amblin film, or indeed, I think, any masturbation at all. Yes, true. true, true, true. Oh. <laughs> I can't imagine there's going to be too many more. <laughs> well, we'll see how we go. And this is a good segue into what is my favorite scene of the film, and okay. I think maybe Izzy yeah. was as well. <laughs> she decides, she, she. that's the scene, the, the first nighttime sojourn, when, when they have that confessional scene, they get very emotionally intimate. That's when she realizes. I, I guess she figures out what her emotions are with regards to Mackie, and she decides she wants to appeal to him more, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, be more active in her seduction of him. So goes to a makeup store, and uh, the the makeup um, clerk is a woman played by Jan Hooks who. Looks kind of familiar. Not sure if we do actually know her. May well just know her from, anything,
1: well but... know from like because she's done like uh, she did over a hundred episodes of SNL, right? So maybe yeah, it's
0: gonna... she was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She was in Batman Returns, so she was an early an early burner. She was in Coneheads. Speaking of heads, wait, is she
1: who is she in Batman Returns? She's, she's not... Jen. Is that... No, that's because I was just thinking Pee Wee plays the
0: Penguin's dad. Is she the Penguin's mom? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, she might be. She might be, actually, yeah. <laughs> she, oh, no, no, she's pictured here with balloons next to Christopher Walken. So she. I think no, she I think works she for, um, inch, inch yeah. Inch but she's a lot of fun. Person, she's. she's so. she, really, she really, she really, it's one of those yeah. one-scene performances it <laughs> just, just takes just the movie. staring at her as yeah. she's coming
1: in and like, Martha's getting a little awkward, but then gets really into it. Yeah, because she's just like, I'm just trying to work out your
0: flair. <laughs> yeah, what's your flair? And it's clearly like bullshit. Um, market talk. Talking, yeah, talking, yeah, exactly. Ever yeah, it works, and it's very sweet. Oh, the no, dynamic no, that's there. just
1: made me realise that this is just another example of people exploiting her in this town. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not so nice. Uh... But. in a- <laughs> Because they give her a shit haircut, <laughs> and her sister's reaction to that haircut is brilliant. What have you done? Um, <laughs> how could you let someone do this to you? <laughs> but in in a, in a vacuum, yeah, of course she's being exploited. Like, yeah, but in a vacuum, it's a good it, performance on the on the scale of what they are seeing in the film. Yeah, but he kind of makes her happy though. He it gives her a sense happy. of agency. And the haircut's not actually. Yeah, that and it's, it's in, very the next, of the time. in the it's next in the next night time visit. She is the one who grabs mm. Mackie's hands and puts them on her. And it gives her that sort of self-comfort, even, even though she the hairstyle is abysmal, <laughs> in a very 1993 kind of way. Yeah, but Jen very is short just and
1: spiky and very gelled. <laughs> yeah,
0: she's just so much fun. She's just someone who really, you know, mm. rinses that that rag of, for all its worth. Um, what did you think of Barbara Hershey, it's Francis? Oh, I didn't really like Francis, which is mm. maybe a. Testament of the job that Barbara Hershey did. I don't know. I I mean it's because
1: like from the off you're kinda you meet her in the middle of an infidelity where mm. the this wife turns up angry, yeah, smashes through a porch, accuses her of cheating, and they're both like, No, 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 it's not yeah. happening at all but then it clearly is. That's then it's shown yeah, by them shagging on yeah. the in the living room for first floor. ambling boobs, maybe? Maybe. I can't let that- <laughs> <laughs> Um but yeah, because so that that puts you in initial sour mood because they're try, yeah they're both gaslighting Laurie Metcalf mm. who has very justifiable reasons to be as angry as she is totally totally yeah
0: but that that all pays off in a scene that I think is is very good as well it's the the scene when the throw, they throw the party for the politician yeah and the wife turns up unexpectedly and uh, the way you look tonight is being played by the band mm. and it's mostly dialogue free and it's everyone sort of. Um, uh, what's the face, uh, Martha has seen the politician and Francis hooking up so she knows that even though they say they aren't having an affair, they really are. Mm-hmm. So people in the party gossiping saying, I can't believe the wife's coming. Why would she do that? She's crazy. And obviously Martha knows the truth mm-hmm. and wants to defend the wife, but she can't because that would ultimately hurt her sister, her aunt rather, and, and the politician. So it's a scene of everyone, you know everyone what everyone's bringing to that, you know, the mm-hmm. motivations and they're all trying to navigate these a politician? These store plans. I thought he was a politician. That's what they say. Because then he's also giving legal work. advice,
1: though, when she gets... Is he like, the DA? DA, perhaps? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Barbara, what is this movie? <laughs> Barbara Hershey's
0: great at because Barbara Hershey sees him with his wife and she feels the pain of knowing that, you know... You're he right. has to do this. just the, the the Wikipedia cast list just makes me fly. yeah yeah it's, yeah. Just a,
1: it's just like John Terry Stephen plays Stephen Bell dash politician
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel Byrne is Colin Mac Mackie an alcoholic handyman <laughs> the Wikipedia for this film is is great guys you should give it a little give it a little look mm-hmm. but no I thought that was a good scene that was a good, a good scene of mm-hmm. performances and I, I do like scenes where characters have to portray one thing but you know, show that there's something else going on beneath the surface yeah. there always a good acting. Acting <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? Acting's hard. Oh, <laughs> it? Uh I don't know but what do you
1: think of Barbara Hershey? I like Barbara Hershey a lot, generally, mm. as an actress. There's a very cool um not very cool, but it's very there's a there's an early eighties horror movie that I really like called The Entity, that she's really good mm. at. Um It's a weird ass movie, but she's very good in it. Um and I like her as a screen presence, but like again, it's a it's a character who like probably is the kindest to Martha overall. Mm. Because a lot of the stuff that she's she often gets frustrated in. it. like she's quite quick to be like, all right, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to get frustrated, I just get frustrated sometimes. And she is the one that's like most emotionally open to her and the one who's the one who i I guess less selfishly is kind of Mm. um looking out for martha's best interest even if it is technically hindering her yeah um particularly when it comes to that kind of repressed feeling that is what eventually kind of is what the film kind of has it has it as the the boiling point of her Coming the
0: dangerous woman. <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> yeah it's not good no it's not good is uh, it?
1: uh, that, even that turn it's just not really built in no because um, the only reason you're kind of expecting that turn is because of what the film's called
0: yeah and and there are I mean Francis does say that you do get obsessed with you, and there, there are a lot of like mm. avenues set up that could lead to her breaking in some way or yeah. you know, committing an act that's unforgivable yeah but yeah, the way it's realised in the moment is very. And so the fact as well that
1: literally th- this is so condensed, in this film, which is what barely a hundred minutes, all this happens very suddenly. Yeah, and then it's over from the yeah. act of violence. It's over very. Yeah, like, there's you have the quick repercussions <laughs> where they're trying to convince her to be like, you can say, which is also a bit. I was like, oh, this is a bit. Yeah, you
0: can play it off as say you say, say, you, were say you
1: were raped, and we'll we we can get you. So mm. you can you could probably get off. And she's just like, I'm not going to say that. Good on you, Mark. Yeah. You d- don't lie. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, it's a, it's a lot of like, there's a lot of real shitty people circulating this quite innocent woman who's yeah um, the weight of that community, being in that community and having these kind of people around her is more what kind of breaks her emotionally yeah. and builds her to this point where she does commit a violent act. But to say she's a dangerous woman, is it meant to be ironic? It has, is to, it- be. It <laughs> has to be. That's,
0: that's, I don't think she's ever referred to as that. But I mean, in in, in the film, there's a lot of. Like, the way that people look at Laurie Metcalf as a politician's mm. wife, she, she's portrayed as crazy by the I guess gossipers. Francis
1: is a dangerous woman because she's yeah. the other yeah. yeah, woman.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, th- th- maybe it's just this idea of what a dangerous woman is and, and who is yeah. it who bestows that. But it's even like.
1: I haven't watched a trailer for this yet. I will no. watch the trailer because I'll be very intrigued to See know how it was marketed. Should we watch it right now? Yeah. Or listen to it right now. As <laughs> I'll probably cut around this. <laughs> but uh, I'm intrigued to know how it was marketed.
0: I'm going to come to your side. Yeah.
1: Because, like, it, cause even looking at the poster, it's, it's Deborah Winger stood in a door frame, glasses on, kind of clutching her shirt, looking at out suspiciously so you think that might be like yeah oh so she's the jealousy factor coming yeah. in yeah barking. yeah um, but when we look to the trailer let's see have a little look see thank you so much I've had such a wonderful time thank you for inviting me I've had such a wonderful well it's been a really fun thing fine
0: time
1: make and maintain a... so far so sweet hmm being can be oh, jesus
0: So that, I mean, it's probably not an unfair trailer. It does convey all the it does. tonalities of the film. It doesn't quite help
1: me determine what the intent of the title is. No. Fine.
0: Sometimes being different can be dangerous. What the fuck is that? It looks like trash. It's
1: a bad trailer. Deborah Winger, an incredibly moving performance. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> Editorializing your marketing, you bucker. In all fairness, it is the strongest element of it, and it is what a lot of critics at the time kind of highlighted as. It's one of those, I don't know, it wouldn't fly now, I don't think, oh, that God. performance.
0: It shouldn't fly now. No.
1: I don't think this film would fly now. No. <laughs> so, no. It,
0: didn't, it didn't take flight. No, he didn't it didn't take flight. Free. <laughs> it's <laughs> a flightless bird. A little bit simple, Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, it's hard to know how to take it that title, you charitably could say that it is looking... I mean, and I think it is attempting to look at how women can so easily be painted as crazy
1: yeah. by the larger society. That's definitely... The story's there for it. Yeah.
0: And there are moments, like I like say, the... And I wouldn't be surprised if the book's more like that, judging the, by yeah, the The way you look right, tonight right. scene is a really good encapsulation of yeah the sort of... Yeah, that idea and the pain that comes with that. Mm-hmm. I uh, think it just gets a bit lost with how...
1: It's just not very nimbly done when it comes to the thriller element. No. I guess or... it feels like
0: a film is desperate for incident, It's grasping yeah. for incident, but in doing so, it undermines itself. Yeah. And, uh... and but it is...
1: tries to backtrack and give her a bit, yeah. of a,
0: a bit more of a neat bow and a mm. happy ending without
1: anyone really accepting the culpability. It's such <laughs> a bullshit end note.
0: It's such a bullshit endpoint, isn't it? It's insane. And the final line, which I wrote down. Is uh, a line from Francis in voiceover, which comes back at the end after being gone for about an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. There are some who say he raped her. This is speaking about Mackie, who is the father of her child, who mm-hmm. is grown. And he a does stick around by the end. There are some who say he raped her, that he took advantage of her. But Martha doesn't call it that. She calls it love. And maybe it was. Then, then there's, there's a, a phrase frame. frame. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then jaunty music.
0: Score by Carter Burwell. Carter Burwell, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carter Burwell.
1: was a great composer, and it wasn't a bad score, I guess. It's just I mean, it's a bit strange, functional, but it opens with that weird, like I think even you made the comment as well. It opens with like that kind of like weird kind of kind of like twangy, sexy, mm. fr- like erotic thriller vibe.
0: <laughs> it's funny because he, he's the dude that I associate an awful lot with Coens, and yeah. the Coens deal with a lot of that classic American neo noir crime literature. And this film just feel like it's teetering on the edges of being that. Yeah, So it makes sense that he'd be here. But it's just, it's sort of got tonal tonal reluctance. Or if it lent into that sweaty southern noir, then it could be... Although I just think the fundamental problem is, it's irreconcilable to have a character study of someone who's neurodivergent with something a bit more Torture and exploited because <laughs> exploitation is very much something that is a detriment to this character. And yeah, you can't really. Yeah, I don't know. I may mean, just don't make this. Sense. It's quite a toxic. It just feels like yeah, quite an icky toxic. I can see how you can make it into a, I can see how it works as a book because you don't have to have the burden of representing this condition on screen because mm-hmm. the you know you can portray it in prose and the reader really can imagine it in their heads whereas the minute you cast you have to cast someone yeah Make them behave in a way this vague non-disclosed condition it always comes across as at best patronizing and at worst as exploitative Mm. as the characters in the in the town are and just yeah very trite and so weird 93 it's uh... It's a very weird 93 yeah
1: Uh, 1993 for Amblin Entertainments two dinosaur movies
0: (laughs) two two of Spielberg's biggest in different ways and in between two absolute tonal maelstroms and two big box office nothings
1: really (laughs) (laughs) was there anything else in 93? far off place
0: (laughs) (laughs) at least that I could rent on Amazon (laughs) (laughs) yeah man strange
1: strange do you have any other thoughts you want to share on a dangerous woman? I'm not sure That's I do. The thing,
0: yeah, there were some f- some funny quotes. There's, um, there is that one shot the morning after, uh, uh Martha and Mackie hook up, and it's her glasses on the side, and the shot is filmed through the glasses, and it shows the garden, and it pans around and shows Didn't her, about her and you can tell that you can tell, you can tell that General's is very proud of that because it's yeah. prominent in the trailer, holds
1: on it for a while,
0: um. No, not really, man. This is not awful. I think we've. we've It loves Tupperware. Done it. It loves Tupperware. Tupperware is very good. I'm a fan of Tupperware too. Gifts Tupperware as a romantic gesture. Is that in the early '90s was Tupperware Tupperware, a new novelty? Tupperware parties were a big thing. I remember like Avon parties and uh, and summer's parties candle parties and summer's (laughs) parties too. Yeah, but Tupperware's always been a given. So maybe it was an oldie in the early '90s. You and I were babbies at that point.
1: Indeed. This film was unleashed upon the earth. I was but three to four months old.
0: <laughs> I was nearly one. <laughs> <laughs> you were one when
1: it got its US release. <laughs> no, I was one.
0: Yeah, you were older than three four months. You are born in April.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Half a year. <laughs> Be kinder to yourself.
0: I have to say, I, I because the stuff in this. That works points to something better. I yeah, I, do, I think nice... I'd put it above something like Dad. Mm. I don't think it's my least favorite. It's not my least favorite that we've covered no. so far because the people are good in it, and it's they it's, are good in it.
1: The performance is good. Everyone's it's a shit. So bag, but... <laughs> something
0: contains elements that you want to see extrapolated, mm. but it, it just buries it beneath its own contradictoriness yeah. and, and self doubt and whatever. There need to be something that it doesn't need to be. Yeah. And it,
1: it yeah, there's it it's it doesn't surprise me that Jin Hawk cut his teeth on TV. It does for one, yeah. it's it, there's not really much to write home about on a stylistic or visual level. It's quite dry. About one shot <laughs> of about one shot. <laughs> um it moves a, a fairly slow pace mm. and when it like you, said, and then literally has moments of violence and sex to kind of punctuate it Yeah, with. it feels like it's getting a bit drab and it's just it's a, it's a real it's a film that I don't think wants to hate its main character but I think accidentally ends up mm. hating its main character in quite a way that that feels quite toxic and damaging mm. um particularly when you consider what this main character is being yeah. um, defined as. Yeah. And it's, it's a relic.
0: It is. Um, in, and not in a good way. <laughs> do you remember what you said about the film at one point during it?
1: What did I say about the film during it yeah, at one
0: you remember point? Um, no, there's a line sad I, and, I and horny down. movie. <laughs> it's, it's just a sad, film about people being sad, sad and, horny and horny all the time. time. <laughs> sad and horny, the movie. <laughs> Tell me I'm Many great films are
1: about exactly that. Indeed, and I would love to know if anyone out there listening Mm.
0: feels inclined to watch this or has watched
1: for this. Because I I just, if
0: if anyone has any idea as to why this film is is buried Mm. or so out at sea, please let us know. I'm so curious. (laughs) My dream is that one day we can get, you know, to a stage where we're able to maybe get a foot indoors with conversations with people who might know.
1: I can like just went to Kathleen Kennedy. So, so "A
0: Dangerous Woman." What happened there
1: yeah. in the '90s? She's like, "What? What film?" <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, that. Oh, yeah. How's it doing? Oh, like <laughs> that.
1: Not good, calf. <laughs> Deborah Winger, Barbara Hershey, Gabriel
0: Byrne. "A Dangerous Woman." You think you know everything about me, but you don't know anything. A dangerous woman on video cassette and laser disc.
1: So we did put out our usual message for tweets mm-hmm. and messages, but we didn't get anything back for this one. We weren't weren't expecting to get any, but what I thought might be fun. Um, I've I've dragged in a few comments, a few reviews from letterbox users. Oh, It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. Um, this is uh, how many reviews in total? Like I've, three. I I've got three here. I, I cherry picked three that I thought might be quite funny. Um, so this is a review from Beef. Use a beef. Um, Do not name your movie a dangerous woman if there are no dangerous women in it because I'll watch it and then I'll get upset at the lack of dangerous women and give your movie a poor rating on Letterbox. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is from Single White uh, Femaline. In the beginning of of this, Laurie Metcalf drives her car into Barbara Hershey's porch and drunkenly brandishes a gun while screaming, I'm fun! I'm a hell of a lot of fun! while knocking stuff over and kicking tables. And I've never seen a more accurate representation of myself. I'm fun. I'd love to have fun. Like and such as losing my damn mind and ruining everything for everyone. A good genre that doesn't get enough credit are movies where a non-intellectually disabled person plays someone with intellectual disabilities. I'm just kidding. That's a bad genre. That said, I love messy movies where everyone's fucking each other and people get stabbed. <laughs> Three
0: stars. <laughs> that is a really good summation of the confusion inherent in this movie. And one last one from Kendall Moore. The best
1: part of this movie is the 40 seconds of Jake Gyllenhaal being a tiny kid jerk. <laughs> one star.
0: <laughs> Jacob. Thank you very much. Jacob. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So, those
1: are uh, some letterbox reviews on A, on a Dangerous Woman. <laughs> so,
0: still, I think I'd sooner rewatch this than A Far Off Place.
1: You think so? I'll, I'll never watch either of them again. <laughs> 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 It is weeks like this that I rue this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've got a few more coming up in the 90s as well. The noughties is kind of fine. It's like, it's fairly popular stuff. We'll we've got some to... fun.
0: We've got some fun till 95. Oh,
1: we've got we got a good run coming up. There's a film called In Dreams that I've never heard of. I don't
0: know what that's about.
1: Might be good. Who knows? Who knows? Um, until we get there, we're still, we have one last. Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan. Oh, that could be quite fun. Yeah, always worthwhile. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but before we carry on further down the 90s, we have one last port of in 1993, mm-hmm. with our next episode being on Steven Spielberg's second film of the year, the award-winning Schindler's List, of course. A titan. Indeed.
0: By any standard.
1: Uh, if you don't happen to have the film on disc and would like to watch along with us, it is available to those of you that have a Netflix or Virgin Go subscription. Otherwise, you can rent or buy the film digitally from Amazon, Apple TV, Chili, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Rakuten TV, Sky Store, and YouTube. So, a very different tale to a dangerous woman in very terms different. of finding this film to watch.
0: <laughs> and a very different tale in terms of the tone of the oh, discussion, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Gonna, yeah. I think I've only seen it once all the way through, Same. many, many moons ago, Same. and obviously it is a if master- It's no spoiler to say it's a masterpiece. A Part of me is looking forward to rewatching watching it because it's just cinematically yeah. a very impressive piece of work. But it's, you know, it's isn't it? It's not an easy one to it's gonna watch. Be, it's going to be a sobering one. Yeah, yeah. Christ. But uh, yeah, hoping to have uh, an exciting guest on to discuss that and uh, get and, into uh, it and get yeah, get stuck in. So do join us. Join us then, won't you? <laughs> so catchphrase from a different podcast that I've stolen. <laughs>
1: don't do the Twitter and email bit. So
0: yeah, so it might have been so long. But, uh, <laughs> yeah if, if you uh, want to share some thoughts please please do on Twitter's list uh, uh, tweet us at amblin, or email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com with any opinions thoughts um, yeah. personal experiences uh, perspectives on the film and we will share them with uh, eagerness
1: indeed indeed um, this has been Ramblin and Amblin podcast Ramblin all about a dangerous woman um <laughs> Well, sorry <laughs> <laughs> we, are. we are. I'm very intrigued to see what the numbers are for this episode
0: we were surprised by dad but we were um, surprised by yeah. dad uh,
1: that did, that did get a good 100 in the end but we'll, we'll see maybe all the dangerous woman fans will come out the woodwork <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a following akin to poltergeist <laughs> yeah, yeah let's see. Um, and we hope you do join us next time for our episode on Schindler's List until then take care uh, stay safe I've been Andy Godian
0: Uh, I've been Josh Glenn and we're not going to be going away uh, anytime soon so we'll be back to our regular scheduling hopefully (laughs) touch wood (laughs) take care
1: gang lots of love goodbye